Welcome to episode 20 of Lil Muck, a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. So today we are interviewing the amazing and fantastic Helen Butler of the Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda. Helen serves as executive director of the Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda, an advocacy organization comprised of representatives from the human rights, civil rights, environmental, labor, women, young professionals, youth, elected officials, peace and justice groups throughout the state of Georgia, founded by the late Dr. Joseph E. Lowry. In keeping with the people's agenda commitment to social justice issues, she has formed strategic alliances to improve quality of life for communities of color. She serves serves as the convener of the Black Women's Roundtable of Georgia as an affiliate of the National Coalition of Black Civic Participation to promote health and wellness, economic security, education, and global empowerment for Black women she's this is a this is a great bio I'm just dying already (laughs) and I'm not through I'm not done yet so she serves on the Morgan County Board of Elections and in 2013 she was appointed to serve on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights as a member of the Georgia Advisory Committee she currently serves on the City of Atlanta's 2020 Complete Count Committee and the State Civic Engagement Tables Complete Count Committee and Helen has been has was recently recognized by the Atlanta Business League as one of Atlanta's top 100 black women of influence, not only in 2020, but also in 2018 and 2019. She received the 2019 Community Engagement Award from National Action Network and in to the 2019 Dr. C.T. Vivian Courage Award by Let Us Make Man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean... Helen, I don't know where you find the time, girl, but I have to tell you, we are like beyond thrilled to have you here. Yes. The nation owes a debt of gratitude to the black women in Georgia, and you are on that list. You have done this work that we are so incredibly grateful for you to to be doing it. So reading that bio, my first question is, what has inspired you to be this involved, and and why is this these issues of... um, uh, voter engagement and voter ed- education so important to you? Well, Tina and Hillary, thank you so much for having me. I am just honored to be here with you. Um, what has inspired me, I guess, is I've met so many people in the civil rights movement, uh, along with our founder, Dr. Lowry, and so many others I've seen and met. And just to see that they uh, work till their dying breath, really. Uh, to really improve things for our community inspires me uh, to continue. My brother, Walter Butler, who was the state conference president of the NAACP, really got me involved in civic engagement work through the NAACP uh, when I first worked with them with their voter fund project. So, But I met Dr. Lowry and all these other civil rights leaders, and they just were so awe-inspiring uh, for their commitment and their dedication. Uh, Dr. Lara was 98 when he died, and he was still fighting and still wow. giving us strategies to to do this work. So I'm just thankful to be here and to work with a great team. I have a great team of young people, old people, everybody in between that we work together to improve our communities. Oh, it's just so uh, incredible. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about the Coalition for the People's Agenda? Well, yeah, we're sort of different than most groups. 
most groups have individual make uh, memberships. Uh, we do that as well, but we are primarily organizational representatives that come together and work on issues that we feel we can work on together. For those that we can't, we leave those outside our table. So we really come together. Uh, I mean, it's labor people. It's the environmental. It's criminal justice. It's education. Uh, it's elected officials. It's women. It's young people. So it's it's a call, really a coalition that is made up of people in the state of Georgia that come together to work on issues that really uh, we think uh, because of public policy can improve our our communities. Uh, so we work on a lot of things, primarily civic engagement. We do voter registration. We educate voters. We mobilize them. We do get out the vote. We do rides to the polls. But we also protect that right to vote. Uh, since the Shelby County decision, we do a lot of monitoring uh, boards of elections to be proactive. Uh, but we also do on election day uh, where we have monitors that assist voters so that they don't um, leave without exercising their rights to vote. So, uh, But we also do issue organizing around health care, education, the environment, uh, you know, criminal justice. We've been working on a lot of um, citizen review boards, uh, those kinds of activities, public policy uh, on a local level to have citizen review boards to, as oversight for police departments. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the kinds of things we work on. You know, we just finished working on um, with the older population in uh, Covington, Newton County, with utilities, uh, getting the uh, entire mayor and city council for that uh, city to come and meet with residents to talk about ways that they could reduce utility bills that were so high. Uh, so those are kinds of issues that we work on. I mean, you know, there are lots of ones that I can name. You know, we worked on um, community schools, you know, uh, making sure we didn't uh, uh, support or we passed uh, this amendment that would prohibit take over a school. So there are a lot of things that we work on as a coalition, uh, but those issues that we can't agree on, we leave those away and work on the ones we can. Oh, I love that. And I love this, uh, the idea of the coalition and bringing in all of these other groups like education, environment, and, and all of these uh, issue-based things. And so do you find that your volunteers are able to kind of hone into areas that they have an interest in? Is it split off that way? If someone has an interest in helping with uh, an environmental issue, they can work on, is it separate committees in that way? Yeah, we do have committees that work on the, work on, talk about policies because we do everything around policy change. Uh, but we also work around uh, galvanizing the communities to get involved in those issues that they feel are important. So, yeah, we do have committees. Uh, but you know, it all we all work on things like uh, elections because mm -hmm. elected officials impact all of our issues, and so we try to show the connection between the issue 
uh, the public policy and the elected officials. So all of us work on that, but we also work on our individual concerns. My number one issue is education. Mm-hmm. Uh, while a lot of people think my number one issue is voting rights, it is. <laughs> but my number one issue is education. Yeah. Oh, well, it's so important what you're saying, because uh, I, I'm sure that Georgia, because humans are humans and we we've we work in some some uh, political circles down here. And I've always found like the number one issue is you work so hard on these campaigns and like educating voters, but it's an engaging folks to come out and vote. And that's always a really hard thing to do. And I feel like hitting on these issues and, and just showing that voting impacts their life by, by voting, you're electing someone who could positively impact your life. Right. And so how do you engage like rural voters in Georgia to, not feel disillusioned by the process, try to show them that the system does impact their lives and to get them to come out and vote. Has that been something that's been difficult for your coalition? It has, but what we found successful is that we find trusted messengers in those rural communities. Mm. I don't live in that community, Mm -hmm. but uh, my coordinator does or the other canvassers that we have working with us The other people that we bring together live in the community and we work with the trusted messengers I found has been the best. Mm. Uh, Even though I may think about, you know, I may think I know what's important in rural Georgia, but not necessarily so because I don't live there every day. Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, you know, get to be impacted by those elected officials. So it's those trusted messengers. That's why we have offices. We have seven offices across the state, uh, and they're led by key people that live in those communities, uh, that know the community, that can work with the community, um, and can understand what their needs are better than I can and communicate can communicate with them because they live it as well as the, the voters that we're trying to engage as well so but we you know we give them tools we help uh we come in and assist but we're there to listen to work with them to help them get the changes that they want just like i was talking about in in newton county was the same as when we went to randolph county uh where they were going to close their polling locations it was because people down there alerted us that this was happening and that they didn't want that to happen. They didn't know what to do. So we came down, we brought a news media. Uh, we went, took them with, with them rather to the board of elections mm. to highlight that it wasn't necessary, why they shouldn't do that. And I think that gave them moral support. And we find that doing that, People are more engaged when you work with them, when you know that you're there. And we're there 365 days. We don't mm. come in. Uh, we're there every day. And, yeah, so you're you're mentioning these hurdles uh, like uh, limiting access to polling sites, um, limited access to early voting. Um, in Georgia, we saw really long lines. And what can, how do we combat that sort of thing? Well, one way we can combat it, as I tell people, is that we can be engaged in the process. We should be attending those meetings, those Board of Elections meetings, where they're discussing that. 
they usually have them when people are at work. So right. we, if we put up enough things, I think that we can get them to change those meeting times. We can become members of those boards of elections. There you we go. can yeah. actually set the policy. I belong to a board of elections. Uh, so uh, while I may not be the majority vote, but I can at least stand up and and fight for things in the community and you get other people engaged with you to do that fight, uh, I think it highlights and can bring about change that way. So I'm saying get in, engaged in the process. Become uh, a work in those boards of elections. You know, they were hiring recently because of COVID. Uh, so we recruited 700 people to be wow. poll workers. We referred them to local boards of elections. But before they went to get their official training, we gave them trainings about some things, what it means to the voter from the voter's perspective, what a voter would look for in terms of a poll worker that's working at a polling location. Um, those are the, some of the kind of creative things you can do. Uh, to really get people engaged in the process, can I let me let me ask you something? Because it, I, what I, how I, when I see the government or a supervisor of elections trying to stop people from voting, really make it as difficult as possible. And on our podcast, we cover stories from even like the 1800s when this stuff was going on. Yes. It's like the <laughs> same games and tricks that they've always been doing. How does it? How does it make you feel personally when you're like, oh, here we go, another thing that we have to now get over or push through to make sure that our voices are heard? It really upsets me because I understand if you look at how we voted for 200 years here in Georgia, all we had to do was sign a piece of paper mm-hmm. saying we were who we were, we lived here with the idea that if we violated that oath that we were signing, we could go to jail or, you know, be fined money. And people didn't, we didn't have any uh, fraud, <laughs> and we still don't have fraud. That's the ironic yeah. thing, mm, yeah. is that we still don't have fraud. We People are putting barriers there because elected officials want to retain power. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been trying to educate voters. They're not doing this because it's a problem. They want to retain power. Yep. They want to make sure that a limited number of people that they can work with, they that they think they can control, uh, so that that's why they put those barriers in place. It's just like, you know, the absentee voting process that we have a vote by mail here. Uh, normally, black people and people of color did not use that process. Mm. They used to use in person because they didn't trust mm. vote by mail. So we convince them you know no it's safe COVID is here you don't need to go out yeah uh, this is a safe way you can use drop boxes uh, they got mailed these absentee ballot applications it's easy fill it out we'll help you teach you how to uh, send it back in you know those kinds of things and once they learn that process now all of a sudden our elected officials want to, of course, make sure you have a photo ID in order mm-hmm. to request, make sure you have to have a reason going back 20 years when we did away with uh, excuse absentee of vote by mail. 
it's all because certain groups of people voted. It's not because of fraud. I mean, the DBI <laughs> even went through the the process, vote by mail process, and didn't find anything wrong with the signature yeah. match process. Ridiculous. Uh, or with the affidavit process. But now our elected officials want to put a barrier there. Mm. And it's simply because too many people used it. Right. Of one mm. party. Right. Oh, goodness. So now that these elections are over, because um, a lot of times, you know, people will come out and they'll help register people to vote like during sort of the height of the election season. But now that that is over for now, what can people do to continue helping? Well, as I said, we do it 365. We have a voter registration activity this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so we haven't stopped registering. Yes, I love before. it. <laughs> uh, we do it. At any event that we have, uh, we're celebrating Martin Luther King's birthday. Well, what better way of service than Dr. King's birthday than to register people to vote? I mean, his speech give us the ballot. If yes. you ever listen to it in its entirety, it's really amazing because he said, while protest is good, you still have to have the ballot along with protest. Mm. And so... To me, that's a great way uh, to honor his legacy and all of the legacies of the civil rights people, the unsung heroes and sheroes that were there. Uh, We do it. Like I said, that is a way that we are always in the community. Uh, We're always doing events. We're doing voter registration at high schools. We're doing it at colleges. Uh, We're doing it at festivals. We're doing it at the YWCA's, the YMCA's, wherever we can go and we are talking about issues, if we have a meeting, we're going to have voter registration forms there. Mm-hmm. We're going to have it either on, you can do it online. And, and with COVID, we've even done a QR code where people can take pictures on their phones. Oh, and I it love takes that. them right to our website to register online. Of course, that in Georgia, you have to have a Georgia driver's license or ID to do that. But that's one way. And then for those who can't do that, we still have the physical forms there. Mm. We use uh, throwaway pens. We wipe down the clipboard. Uh, we give the people, you know, we sanitize the clipboard. We do those kinds of things to be safe. Uh, but we're going to continue to be engaged in and get people to understand the connection between getting good health care. Uh, we don't have Medicaid expansion is because of our elected officials. Our governor decided yeah. he wanted to get a waiver and do something else. Uh, when in actuality, it doesn't cover the people that it needs to cover. Mm. So we're still educating and showing the connection between whatever your issue is, some policy impacts it. And some elected official made that policy. This Coalition for People's Agenda, it does, uh, you know, uh, has made national attention specifically because of your work in Georgia with it. And um, we have listeners across the U.S. So uh, are they able to do work for the Coalition for People's Agenda within their own state? Of course. I mean, (laughs) we we, uh, also do affiliates as well across the state. I mean, we haven't expanded because... Why I 
I say is because I want to make sure I get Georgia right first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Georgia is on its way. So now we can concentrate on the South Pratt. Yes. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work in the other Southern states uh, as we were going. Again, sometimes looking at some of the same things that are happening in Georgia, it's happening in Florida, Tennessee, uh. Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, you name it, right? Yep. Yep. South Carolina, North Carolina. So if we can get those states back together, then I think we can then work on the country. But um, I know we had a lot of people helping us uh, for the runoff elections. We had people helping us with phone banking, uh, you know, texting. We have texting programs that people can do in their own states. I mean, some of the techniques that we're using in our state. Uh, we can help show people how to do it in those states because um, hopefully with the new makeup of the Senate, we'll get the H.R. 1 passed mm. so we can uh, forget about these uh, voting barriers and then can just work on issues. Uh, mm. But until that is done, we still have a lot of work to do. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it never ends. Well, yeah. I have one last question for you. So during all of this, you got on a voter-like engagement and promoting the Georgia vote with the one and only Oprah. And I wanted to know what it was like to talk to Oprah because what a thrill of a lifetime <laughs> it would be for me. So how is it for you? Oh, man. It was like I was in a dream world. I couldn't <laughs> believe I was doing that, right? With yes. Oprah? Yes. I'm on with Oprah. My God, I was so nervous. I was like, oh, Oh, but it was so thrilling to be with Oprah, uh, you know, owning your vote, you know. Mm. Uh, so it was it was really good. Uh, like I said, I was just amazed to be with her, you know. Yes. I, I, I got a screenshot. My friend of mine screenshotted <laughs> us while we were on. I would pray you that forever. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh. I mean, if it's a small little gift for the work you do, I mean, oh my it's... God. Your you, work is just... Yeah. You've changed the so, landscape of this entire country. Yes. And we, as two ladies in South Florida, if I, if I could speak for everyone in the country, yes. I just want you to know how internally grateful we are for your work and your efforts. I know it doesn't uh you know sometimes it takes a long time to chip away at this process and make and to see actual change and y'all have done it and i am so so grateful and proud thank you so so much yes and thank you all and keep up the good work in florida keep the messaging going you all are really crucial to that thank you so much and thank you so much for giving us your time today to come on the show okay thank you have a good one all right you too too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.